you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Guys, I haven't done anything yet. Nothing's happened yet. Nothing has happened yet. Church, my name is Victoria, and it is such a pleasure and a privilege. Can we give God a huge round of applause? He is so, so good to us, and I just get to be a willing vessel. And guys, who knows it's All Nation Sunday? Who's been having a good time celebrating the nations? Well, I really want to know where folks are from. If you are representing a nation other than the United States this morning, if you are and you just want to give a holla to the USA, um, holla, holla. We'd love to hear that. So would you raise your hand? And we want to hear where you're from. We want to know what nations we have in the house this morning. Would you come on? Puerto Rico, la isla del encanto. Puerto Rico, the island of enchantment, and we are famous for our hospitality. Come on. Yes. Puerto Rico is in the house this morning. Who else? Who else is in the house this morning? Who else do we have? Oh, I have some hands. I see one over there. I see one over there. We are from West Africa, Nigeria. My people. Amen. My people in the house this morning. I'm running in heels. I'm running in heels. Here I go. Originally from Rwanda. God bless. Rwanda's in the house this morning. Let's do a couple more. Do we have a couple more? Oop, I see a hand over here. Democratic Republic of Congo. Come on, DRC. Woo. Do we have one more place we're representing? Was there a hand over here? Oh, yes. Mabuhay Pilipino, Philippines! Now that is how we start an All Nations Sunday. And we are so blessed, right, that we get to have just the amazing, beautiful tapestry of all the earth, right? That it's all the earth cries out to celebrate the name of Jesus, and we're seeing it right here, right now. So let's get into the word. Let's get started, you guys. Can we start in prayer? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we just worship you for the opportunity to be in your presence, God. We love your name. We love the name of your son, Jesus. We love his incredible sacrifice on the cross for us. We love having fellowship, intimacy with you and with each other. So God, we bless this time. We ask, Lord, that we might hear your words, that we might know what's on your heart, God, that you, your empowerment through the Holy Spirit might cause us to act and behave differently, God, but it's not in our own strength. It's not in our own works, God. It's in you. It's through you. It's because of you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and in your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. I'm ready. I'm fired up. I don't know about anybody else. I am fired up. Guys, so we have been journaling. Who's been enjoying the journaling we've been doing so far? We got our awesome journaling notebooks last week. Now we've been journaling together. So this week we've been in the book of Proverbs and in the book of Romans. We've been in other places too, but we've been able to touch on those two books. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Romans 15 
That's where we're going to end up, but where we're going to start is actually in Proverbs. So if you'll, st- if you'll turn to Romans 15, and I'm going to read something to you. So it's Proverbs 25, 25, and it says, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. I'm going to say that again. So as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Who's heard some good news Who knows that it's good news is the reason that we're in these seats today. Amen? That who knows, and this is something that struck me as I was reading this. Who knows that Jesus was the first missionary? Jesus was the first missionary. Does that make sense? That he came from a far country, came from heaven, to declare the good news, the good news that you are saved, that you are redeemed, that you have a Father in heaven that loves you, that he's no longer holding your sins against you, but he wants you and his family. Jesus did that, right? So he is that first, the first example that we now get to emulate, right? That he came from a far country. He came from heaven to deliver that good word to us. Amen. And so we're talking about the nations today. And I often wonder if people are hearing good news, right? That when they hear about Jesus, when they hear about the gospel, when they hear, which literally means good news, that's an old English word that means, new, that means good news, when they're hearing about um, our faith, are they hearing good news or are they hearing rules, regulations, an angry God. I always wonder about that because the word says as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. So if they're hearing good news, right, it's not, it's going to be something that's refreshing. It's going to be something that fills them with joy and peace. It's going to be something that causes them to be refreshed and renewed, right? And so as we go through the rest of our scripture together, I want us to keep that idea in mind that we are presenting good news, that that's what we lead with. There is good news that you have been forgiven. That good news is where we start from. Amen? Amen. All right. So now let's pick up in Romans. I'm going to start in verse 5, verse 5, and then go into verse 6. And we're just going to kind of, we're going to, we're going to dig in together. All right. So I'm in Romans 5, excuse me, Romans 15, verse 5. And it says, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind. Someone say same mind. Grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord you may with one voice, someone say one voice, that you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this reminds me personally so much of Revelation 7, 9, 10. You know, the verses that say, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no one can number. Has someone heard that? Has somebody heard that in Revelation? A great multitude that no one can number. Which, interestingly enough, um, the, the Apostle John is talking in his vision about this end times, this, this, he's seeing this picture of after Jesus comes back, after he redeems his church, after he has victory, the final victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave, after he's, he's, he's brought us into that incredible um, millennium state, he's talking about this great multitude in heaven. And isn't it fascinating that the Bible never says that in hell there is a great multitude that no one can number? Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say that in hell there is a great multitude that no one can number. It says in heaven there is a great multitude that no one can number. 
So we're believing God that there's going to be much more people in heaven than there is in hell. Amen? That we are going to be doing, as, as, as we talk about, we're going to be shifting some things in these end days, right? In these end times. That God is always going to have the final victory, including in how many people get saved and come into his fellowship. Amen? So we're believing God for that. So that's number one. So as I behold and know a great multitude, which no one can number, all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, which sitteth on the throne and of the lamb. I want, we said one voice and we said one mind. And I want us to think about this as the plan of God for us, for us to glorify him with one voice, with the same mind, right? Now, we have Father's Day coming up next week. What gift would that be to give our Father? That we, his church, we, his people, of the same mind in one voice, glorify him, celebrate him, give him honor, give him glory, give him the worship he deserves, all of his children glorifying him in one voice. So that's verse 6. Verse 7 then says, therefore, someone say therefore. Now, if there's a therefore, that means whatever happened just now is significant, all right? So let's back up a little bit. If God is giving us the same mind, he's doing the work, right? If that God of perseverance is giving us the same mind, that we may glorify him with one voice, therefore, we are to accept one another just as Christ accepted us to the glory of God. Some people caught that. I could hear that. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Now, that word accept is beautiful, right? So w- when we think of accept, it's like, okay, you can come. Like, you know, we'll accept you. It's very, it's, it's a little bit benign. There isn't a lot of emotion there. But that word in the Greek literally means to take in addition to oneself, to take as oneself into fellowship. Other definitions talk about to take by the hand in order to lead, to take or receive into one's home with the collateral idea of kindness, that it's not this, this unfeeling accepting, that, there's, that there is a heart behind it. There is a desire for, for fellowship, to be with one another behind that word, to receive, and then my favorite actually says to grant one, to grant one access to one's heart to give access to one's heart. Now, why would Paul be telling, now this is Paul's letter to the Romans, why would he be instructing the church in Rome to do these things? What might be happening there that's causing him to, in his, in his, his beautiful exhortation and his instructions to a church that he loves, why would he be encouraging them to accept one another? Because God has made them of one mind and one voice. Now, we know that this church in Rome was the center of the Roman Empire because Rome was in the center of the Roman Empire. It was also probably the most ethnically diverse of all the churches in existence at that time. And now there was often, especially as the church is moving out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, and touching all of the earth, there was a lot of association with Christians and Christianity and Judaism, that these ideas were really linked, so much so that Jewish people, new Jewish believers often felt or believed that Gentile believers, of which we count, if you are not Jewish, you are Gentile, um, or because we are in the family of God, we are church, right? That is our new identity, no longer Jew or Greek, but one, one church in Christ. Now, if that is, is, is 
the, if that's what we understand and know, there still oftentimes was this idea or this understanding that you had to keep the law in order to really be a Christian. That it wasn't just faith in Christ that was enough, but that you really had to keep the, the Jewish law, everything from ceremonial washing to the food you eat, all of these things were part of what you had to do in order to really be called a Christian. And so it's amazing then to me that Paul not only affirms to this church, this Roman church, that salvation absolutely is of the Jews, that Jesus came as a Jew to fulfill a promise that he made to Abraham, who knows that God's promises are always good, right? That as long as you have a promise from God, you have a guarantee. Who knows that? Right? And so Paul is talking about this in his book, or excuse me, in his letter to the church in Rome, that God's promise to Abraham is legit, and that's how we have the amazing person of Jesus Christ. And, right, that it's not only for one group, it's not only for one sect, it doesn't, it's not based on anything besides faith in Christ and Christ alone. That nothing else interacts or nothing else builds foundation in a person's life other than believing and knowing the name of Christ and following him. And so to me, right, it's amazing that as we go through the rest of this passage together, that Paul repeatedly uses Old Testament scripture to show these Jewish believers that are still so married to the law and so married to the rules and the regulations about how things are supposed to be that have been ingrained in them for generations, that he shows that actually it was always God's plan, always God's plan, that all nations and all people would belong to him, would be accepted in the beloved. That that was in his purview from before the beginning of time. And so if that's something that we understand, right, we see that Paul is not just saying, please tolerate these people who look different from you or act differently or worship differently. Once they belong to Christ, you are to accept them into your own heart, that they are supposed to be as you are to yourself, that they belong to you, right? That there is, that this isn't just a casual relationship. That we say family, and sometimes kind of in church world, we can bandy that word family around, right? But that it really means that you are interconnected to these people, dependent on each other for life. That's not a relationship you opt in and out of. That's something that is, is, is blood, Right? And so we just went throughout the room and talked about these amazing countries and nations that we're celebrating. Um, We know that in Concord today, right now, over 30,000 people live, work, play, and would be considered foreign-born, right? People from India and Morocco and Ghana and Nepal and Somalia and China and Bosnia and more nations than I have time to recount in our morning together, right? But I would ask, as we're listening to the words of Paul, as we're hearing the Holy Spirit confirm in our own hearts his desire, that we wouldn't just take away from this message, go reach those people over there, but that we would begin by praying that God gives us a heart to love and to accept the way the Bible accepts. And notice it doesn't just say accept one another, period. It says accept one another as Christ accepted you, right? Just like the Bible says, just like the Bible does not say husbands love your wives, period. Wives submit to your husbands, period. 
The Bible does not say that. The Bible says, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. The Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, colon, died for it. Right? That this isn't an acceptance that is dependent on us. This is an acceptance that God did first and then supplies the ability for us to do. And that's where I'm, I'm drawing us to this understanding, to this place of that. The things that the Bible asks us to do cannot be done on human strength alone. It is impossible. We've got to move out of that thinking. It starts to become, come on, it starts to become, right, that you in your lack, in your inability, in your not strength, are then strengthened by a supernatural God who has all strength, all power, all ability, all control, and has died for the privilege to do that in your life. But that to me, that shakes me to my core, that it's not just I'm in it on my own, but that I have been supernaturally supplied. There's literally nothing I can't do then. Correct? Right? So we're wrapping up. We're only like 10 minutes over time. You're fine. All of you are fine. We're only super late. It's fine. (laughs) Now, as we close, (laughs) I would love um, to show you something that the Lord has really been um, speaking to me directly, speaking on my heart, right? That because we have no special claim on the gospel, just like those Gentile believers, just by the grace of God, were allowed to participate. Just because we, we also know that we have no special claim. It's a gift of grace that anyone in this room has access to eternal life. Amen? And so that's the same kind of grace that we can afford. It's that same kind of the, the, the acceptance that God did for us in welcoming us into his family. That's the same kind of acceptance we then get to give and share and to bring. And so I just want to close by picking up again in Romans 15, verse 12. And it says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Someone say that with me. In him shall the Gentiles hope. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Now this is, I love when the Bible does this. Bible is like, Bible is like, I'm so good, I have to quote myself. You know what I mean? That like, what I, what I had to say in Old Testament is just as legit in new, right? And so Paul is actually pulling out scripture. He's lifting up scripture from Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10, which have so much rich prophecy about our Lord. These are the parts where it says that he, that righteousness will be, righteousness and faithfulness will be a belt about his waist, that he will judge the poor and the meek with justice and equity, that in that day nothing will hurt or destroy in his holy mountain. All of that is there. That is where that comes from. And so, but it ends, right? And it's, it's, it's really cool when the Bible does this because it'll lift up a scripture And it's almost like a cue for you to go back and check it out. Because there's something that was hidden in the Old Testament that the apostle, whoever it is, is revealing in the new, right? And so the original original text of Isaiah 1 all the way through, but then the specific verse that Paul is calling out actually says, he shall raise a flag among the nations. He will stand as a signal for the people. A signal for what? 
I signal for what it literally says that Jesus will stand. He'll raise a banner or he'll be a standard to all nations and to all people, right? Isn't that beautiful? But like a, a flag for what? Like a sign for what? A banner for what, right? And I was sitting in that seat and I was praying to the Lord about this and I saw like a picture of capture the flag, right? Now, what does that flag represent in that game? Church, victory. I heard it. Victory. It represents victory. Church, this is the message by which the nations will gather that God has given them the victory. And because the war is over, there is no longer enmity. There is no longer conflict between man and God because that is the sign people will flock to that. Not to a God that's angry, not to a God that's counting their sins against them, not to a God that's wrathful and full of judgment. How many of your friends have told you, oh, I can't go to church, I'll burn up as soon as I get in there? I've had friends tell me that, coming here, oh, I can't, oh, I'm sorry, I'm living this lifestyle, or I have this relationship, I can't go there. I'll burn up as soon as I walk into the room. That is not our God. Our God is a good God. Our God loves us. And that is the sign by which the nations will see him, that the victory has already been won. I love the song we just sang. The victory is ours, church. The victory has already been given to us. That's what the nations will flock to, that they are victorious in Christ. That addiction, that sickness, that depression, that debt has already been conquered in Christ. Amen. And so that to me, right, is our gospel. Nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's through him, his sacrifice, that we get to step out in victory today. And so we already know, I know what victory has been appointed for me. Amen. And I know what victory has been appointed for you. That's the hope in which we'll trust. Would you mind standing with me? The other picture that I got, that, that word banner, actually the first time it shows up, it's, the, it's, it's when Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? And they're, they're in their first real battle after leaving Egypt. And this battle, if Moses lifts his hands, they win. But if they drop, the children of Israel lose. And so his brother Aaron and his chief assistant Hur take both arms. They lift them up. And to the rising of the sun, to the setting of the sun, the children of Israel have victory. And so I saw Jesus doing that for us. I saw him lifting up our arms and giving us victory. I saw him lifting up, helping us lift up the arms of the nations and giving us victory. Amen. And so if you're believing God for a victory this morning, I want him to do it for you because he's already done it, right? This is no longer, we're no longer waiting for victory. We fight from victory. We no longer, we're not participating, waiting, hoping. This isn't hope like maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Bible hope is a confident expectation of good. It is confidence that God has already done the thing. And so we know as we raise our hands in Jesus, we, we look to you. We know, Jesus, that you've given us the victory. Jesus, you hold our hands up. And as long as our hands are raised in praise and worship God, we see the victory over our situation. We see the victory over our circumstance. God, we know that you're good and we trust you. So Jesus, as our arms are raised, we say, Lord, the battle is yours. The victory is ours. It's already been accomplished. Jesus has overcome. If you believe it say amen if you believe it say amen give god the praise thank you 
for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.